This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. We have a really, really great show for you tonight. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the man who was personally financing all of the prizes in the NFL Pick'em, Matt Necrone. Signed autograph, Ryan Moreland pictures. <laughs> the best you could get, man. That's like that's the best gift I can think to give. Personal and, messages included. And the official second place team in our fantasy league, Glenn Lotzenheiser. If second means winning, then yes, I've got this covered. Nah. Chip in a chair, buddy. <laughs> All right, it's, we have, it's a lot of uh, smack talk before things actually start here. Yeah, for you guys that don't know, we have a league that we have together. It's all Titans fans, all people that are close with the show, and and us three, of course. And we'll be referencing it, I'm sure, throughout the season. Also, before we jump into the show proper, we have the NFL pick. I know that you guys are are tired of hearing about it, but this is the last week you have to sign up. Once Thursday night's game kicks off, there will be no more entries taken. So if you want to get in on it, this is your last chance to do so. Um... This show will come out Wednesday, so you only have a day to do it if you want to get on that. And you can check that out on twotoneuncensored.podbean.com and follow the link. It'll tell you exactly what you need to do. But guys, let's get into the mailbag here. First question sent in by Brett Cathy. Who will be our deep threat or speed receiver now that McBride is gone? I don't think we really have a deep threat. Um... I don't think it's Mariani. Um, at the moment, I would say our fastest guy. Uh, man, I don't know, man. I guess I guess it would be Kendall Wright if he's fully healthy. But at this point in time, I mean, we really don't have a deep threat, but that's not really what we're trying to do right now. Although when you start running the ball consistently, uh, that definitely opens things up down the field. If we have all of our guys healthy, I guess Wright's that guy. Maybe Delaney Walker? Uh, just you know, with Wright running out of the slot, I don't know how deep he'll be getting, except for off of play action. And any of these guys can go deep if we can protect long enough, and play action will be a big part of that. But we don't have that burner who takes, like they say, the top off the defense. We don't have that guy that you send out there. He goes and runs the four three and just pulls the safeties deep. But that's not going to happen anyway. They would much rather let Mario to have a shot at throwing the ball deep once in a while than let these running backs loose out of this backfield. So I think maybe next year we address that with a burner going deep, but Trey McBride wasn't going to be that guy anyway. He wasn't going to get out there and scare anybody. I agree with a lot with what Matt just said. I don't think that's the way that we want to play. I don't think that's our style to have a guy that goes down there, and we really don't have one. You know, we saw with Mariota, his one weakness is that deep ball. He just doesn't throw a good deep pass right now. So I'm not really worried about having a guy that can take the top off the defense because I'm not 100% sure our quarterback can get the ball there, to be honest. So, you know, I would like to see us address the need next year. And, you know, Mariota's getting bigger. I'm sure he'll get even bigger following next year, get a better deep ball. And by the time we have a guy that can take the top off the defense, we'll have a wide receiver that can do that for us. Next question sent in by Josh Pryor. He asks, the Mark Mariani deal seems to have split the fan base. How do you feel about it, and how do you think he'll do this week? As far as returns go, obviously we haven't seen him in quite a few years. I believe we cut him in 2014. I haven't really watched him as a bear. I know he's been decently productive. I know that we probably had him during his prime until his nasty uh, leg break. I still remember that. That thing was horrible to watch. I'm happy to have him back. I think that probably more valuable to us than Trey McBride, even though Trey may have a higher 
not necessarily a higher ceiling, but I think maybe he could grow into something more than what Mariani is. But at the same time, just as a Titans fan, I'm happy to have him back. And I think definitely it's better to have him returning our kicks than Trey McBride. Okay, this is another one of those examples of this fan base attaching themselves to the underdog. I don't know what it is. I get these comments from people from other markets, from other teams, that you know the Titans fans have always kind of attached themselves to the underdog. It's not the backup quarterback so much. It's just that sixth-round pick, You know, the guy who probably doesn't make the roster and everybody just falls in love with him. It, maybe it's just being a small-market team. I'm not sure what it is. There's nothing wrong with Trey McBride. He's a guy who goes out there and he tries hard and he plays hard. But what's the love about? You know, you haven't had the production on the field to earn that love. So I, I don't I don't ever get that kind of thing. It's like when people wanted Mettenberger immediately to be you know, the savior of the franchise. Well, he was a sixth round pick. I mean, let, let the guys go out there and earn your love. OK, you know, we're going to start having a more talented roster. You can focus on the guys who are on the field doing things. As far as Mark goes, he had a uh, career best year returning the ball, returning kickoffs last year. He returned twenty six point one yards per kick which is 7.1 yards per kick better than McBride. So it's definitely an upgrade at that position, which is the kick returner spot. McBride wasn't on the squad to be a receiver. He was here to be a return man. And that's what we brought Mark in for, who is a former Titan, who did a lot of you know nice returns and had some explosive plays for us at one point. So it's exciting that he's coming back here, and hopefully he's still got enough left in the tank that he can produce as a kick returner. But that's all he is. He's not a receiver, not at least not the way that we're going to be using him. But that's also what McBride was. So it's an upgrade. And I don't understand why people are so upset about seeing McBride go probably to the practice squad. Or if he goes to another team and gets a chance to play, even better for the kid. I, I don't get the splitting of the fan base over the kick returner. I don't have a lot to add here, Glenn, because you just put it pretty much perfect. Obviously an upgrade for the, our team. So I'm happy to see that. Anybody who is not seeing it as an upgrade is making an emotional decision and not an analytical one. So, I, you know, I, I can't see it through that eyes. Like he is a better return man. He is going to make our kick returns and punt return unit better. And he upgrades our team. I've, I like this move. And anybody who doesn't just had a love affair with Trey McBride and, and needs to get over it, I guess. Next one we're getting in here is Brandon Williams sends this one in. With the now 53-man roster set, if Malarkey doesn't win, could he blame the personnel like he did in Jacksonville? No, I don't think he necessarily blamed any personnel on any other team. I think, you know, you you play what you're dealt. At the same time, I don't think he's really going to be judged off of this season alone. I think if he hits that six-win mark, definitely safe. But I think moving forward... He is getting the right pieces in place, and I know we're not there yet, but I know you know, a year or two down the road, we need to start winning games more than losing games. So this year, I think if he gets to seven, eight wins, there's no reason that he um, is in any danger. I don't think he's in any danger if we win six games, but after this season, we definitely need to start putting it all in place because we're, we're definitely headed that way. John Robinson making these moves. He hasn't made any of these any of the, the defensive uh, adjustments, no claims on defense yet, which is kind of scary. But <laughs> maybe we played vanilla in the preseason and, and we're saving our stuff. I sure hope so because uh, we did not look good. But hopefully, you know, they know better than I do. So we'll see what happens. But moving forward, we definitely need to address this defense. I don't think he's in any danger, like Matt said. Six wins is a big upgrade for this team still. The biggest deal for me, though, is he's got the perfect situation. He has a GM who is giving him the guys he wants to do what he wants to do. He wants to run a power run scheme, run play action, use his mobile quarterback. He's got all those tools. He's never had a GM that just gave him what he wanted. He's on record as having issues with GMs at his previous stops, for those kind of reasons, where he couldn't get the personnel he wanted, they would fall in love with a player at the Combine, and even though it does absolutely no good for what kind of system that they were going to run, they would draft those guys anyway, and Malarkey would be stuck trying to make those guys work. That's not the case this time. If the offense doesn't click and they don't start getting things done, they'll be okay this year. Next year would be the big year where it would matter and what we do with next year's draft. If the defense doesn't work, I think it's more of a LeBeau issue. Uh, it's more of a LeBeau-Robinson issue than it is a Malarkey issue. 
And then you would see, hey, we need some different guys in here. Dick, you've got to make some adjustments. You know, I think that's going to fall more on LeBeau's head than Malarkey's head if the defense struggles this year. I'm going to answer the question with a yes. I think he can blame the personnel to an extent. And you guys said it. If he gets six wins, he's safe. That's because we still don't have the talent in certain areas of this team. So to a certain extent, yeah, he can blame the personnel for not having a great team because, you know, chances are we're not going to be a playoff team because we're just not there personnel-wise yet. But just like Glenn just said, as the season wears on, or seasons wear on, and John Robinson starts getting these guys and starts drafting, you know, as well as we've seen him draft in that first one, and getting the guys we need to really build this team, Malarkey's going to have less and less and less of that of that window. He's going to have to be able to win a lot of football games uh, every year in order to keep his job. So that's when it's going to become interesting because this year, even if he wins, you know, four or five games, it's really not that bad considering, you know, the talent that really depends on what the defense is able to do with both of you just brought up. The last question in the mailbag here is from Tyler Musson, and he asks, what approach do you see Dick LeBeau taking in defending the Vikings offense this week? A lot of blitzing, man. I really think we got to disrupt Sean Hill. I think we can do that. I'm not. The, the the main thing about the Vikings, obviously, is Adrian Peterson. We got to stuff the run, and obviously, their defense stands out as well. So, I mean, if we can do our thing on offense, I think it'll help our defense out as far as disrupting with blitzes, some zone. I'm I'm really worried about our corners. I've already stated that. Everybody. I'm sure is as well. I'm glad we're going up against Sean Hill, who actually is probably a better passer than Bridgewater is. But at the same time, Bridgewater obviously was more mobile, can create plays with his feet. So I think we're better off playing against Sean Hill, even though he may be a better passer than Bridgewater was. Sean Hill is—he's a known entity. He's been in the league for a long time. We've, there's plenty of tape on Sean. You know what he can do. You know what he can't do. He's a game manager kind of guy, and we'll touch more on this as we do the preview. But I think that, like Matt said, blitz. We were joking about this earlier. It's going to be lots of blitzes. You got to try to do something to stop Adrian Peterson from building up the head of steam and get into the backfield. And it's a good matchup. It's a strength versus strength kind of deal there. So I think the biggest problem we're going to have is if we can't stop that run, they're just going to pound the rock all over us all day long. They're going to do to us what we want to do to them. problem that we have is that Sean Hill is a somewhat better passer. He just doesn't have great receivers. So I don't know what LeBeau's going to do about that. I don't know if he's going to send the house just to shut down Adrian Peterson on the, you know, the first and second down and try to make for a long third down, or if it's going to be a matter of trying to find that balance so you can help protect the secondary now we are going to have mccordy and cox out there so maybe they go ahead and just run their defense and send the blitzers in to try to stuff the run and you know maybe drop the extra safety into the box and just we're going to do to them what everybody else is going to do to us all year and force the quarterback to beat us i think that's what they're going to do i'm just not sure what the setup in the secondary is going to be in light because we have so many questions about it still. Yeah, I'm going to agree with what you guys said here. I think we're going to blitz heavily. I think we're going to stack the box, obviously. You're going to see a lot of, you know, eight men in the box situations, you know, because obviously Adrian Peterson is the biggest thing you have to worry about on this offense, you know, with the weapons really not being there at wide receiver. And of course, Sean Hill stepping into the starting spot with the, with the Bridgewater injury. It is going to be interesting. McCourty, I feel okay putting him on an island out there with the talent that they have a wide receiver. I'm okay with that. Parrish Cox, that makes me a little bit more nervous. And obviously if one of them goes down, then it can become real ugly real quick like we saw last year. But that's what's going to be interesting. And just like just like Glenn just told you guys, it's going to be interesting what happens there. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the secondary. Are we going to see a lot of press? Are we going to see, are they going to try to play in more of a zone? Pick your spots? Are they going to, you know, press and, and just try to keep the wide receivers from getting anywhere in the first three seconds? Uh, you know, just long enough for us to, to get into Sean Hill's face. I think you're going to see a lot of combination between the two. Probably go with the hot hand. Whatever's working. If zone's working better for us, then stick with it. If we're getting really good press off of the off the start and really rerouting routes real well, then, then I think you're going to see us go with it. It's, it's hard to tell right now, though, because it's hard to tell what will work. I think you're obviously going to see a lot, a lot of stacked boxes, a lot of heavy blitzes. But that's about all we have for the mailbag this week. 
Thanks for everybody who submitted. If you want to submit next week, just keep an eye out on our Facebook page uh, or on the Tennessee Titans uncensored group for the mailbag submissions, and you can just comment your mailbag questions there. We're going to head into the news here with anchorman Glenn Lotzenheiser. What's on the news, Glenn? Well, we've had a few things happen to the roster this last week. You know, biggest thing that we're on is no one cares about the game. We care about the cut to 53, waiver claims, that kind of thing. So we're just going to dive right into that. The only waiver claim we really made, or made, is Jason Merrow. Uh, we take him up as a tight end from the Jets. The younger guy, which you have to be to be claimed in waivers, I don't think a lot of people understand that you can only claim someone in the waivers if they've been in the league for less than four years. So anybody you claim in waivers is going to be a younger guy. That's why we're not claiming veterans who have been in the league for eight years. They have to be younger. They can't be a fully vested veteran. So they're all going to be younger guys. Jason Merrow is one of those guys. He's a uh, tight end, played college ball for Texas Tech in that air raid type system. He kind of benefited a lot from that. He was more of a big wide receiver than a uh, tight end, the way he played there. His game still kind of looks like that. He still has some problems with some drops. Uh, they signed him. They dropped uh, Desmed to make space for him. So the question I have for you is, with Amaro being more of an oversized receiver than a blocker, can he push Supernaw down to the depth chart, or is Supernaw still going to get more of the plays whenever they're trying to run the ball? Uh, this is an interesting question, Gun. I think you can put pressure on him for sure. You know, being a West Virginia fan, I got to see Jason Morrow a few times down there in the Big 12, and he's a talented kid, and he has run-after-catch capabilities. Uh, he has great hands. He can make that spectacular catch, but he's not a guy that's going to lay down some blocks for you, and he's it, that's, that's where it becomes a problem and an issue, especially with us, uh, you know, losing the talents of a guy like uh, Craig Stevens earlier uh, to retirement, that we need a guy, a big physical kind of, kind of guy that can block, especially how much we're going to run the ball. And Amaro is definitely not that guy. He's a, a very, very talented pass-catching tight end, but that's where the limit of his talent goes. So I think he can put pressure on Supernaw because it's not like we're seeing the world from Supernaw, but I would rather have seen us go after a guy, and I don't know who was out there. I really didn't pay attention, but I'd rather see us get a guy who's huge and just wants to to beat people up on the line. I think it's a plus as far as um, a free acquisition. I think, you know, during his stay at Texas Tech, he was a, a pretty much a beast at receiver. He's not our answer at tight end, but I think with the tight ends that we have, they're getting up there in age. It's good to have another young piece to the puzzle. We're not by any means done. I think next year we need to address them, whether it's free agency or, or even in the draft. But uh, like Ryan just said, we do need another blocker. I do think Jace can beat out Supernaw. And to be honest with you, if we were to add anybody on this roster from here on out, I would like to see Supernaw. Well, between Supernaw and maybe two other guys, uh, we'll get to later, but I'd like to see either him or, or these other guys get cut as far as the, the, the next two or three on the chopping block. But I'm not sold on, on uh Superna. I do want to see Jace in the offense more than not. I think with what we have with Delaney's obviously our best pass catcher, probably at this point, Fasano's getting up there in age, but he can still, still play with the, the first and second team guys. Jace is definitely a good piece to have, but at the same time, we're not done at, at that position. Yeah, Jace is he's definitely here to be the receiver of the tight ends. I would like him to see him bulk up a little bit more. One of the problems he had is he had kind of an off-and-on rookie season in 2014. Then he missed all of last year with a shoulder injury, which is kind of the story behind the Jets' cuts this year. We'll touch on uh, one more of them here in a minute. But Jace, he's got a lot to prove yet. He still had some injuries. He had some injuries in the preseason with a groin injury, and we've seen a lot of that this year. He's not going to come in here and just – make Supernova irrelevant. So I, I understand why they couldn't cut Supernova for him. We would have liked for them to have brought in a tight end. who would. I, I would have liked to see them sign somebody like a Matt Spath from Pittsburgh, you know, a big blocking guy. This is what you could get with the free waiver claims, like Ryan said. He, he's a good pickup. He's got potential. Matt touched on it. Our guys are older. They're not going to be able to play much longer. So you might as well bring in somebody young to develop because he's probably got a lot more upside going on than Supernova does. Supernova's boneheaded plays don't seem to be going away. So I think Amaro is the better option as future tight ends go. 
So I think it was a good pickup. Yeah, even with getting rid of Alex Ellis, he's definitely an upgraded from him. So if, if we're going to make a project out of somebody, it might as well be this guy. Yeah, you brought up a great point there, Matt, and, and the youth. And even if you think about it, for the future, you know, we're going to see Fasano go. Unfortunately, Walker's going to go, you know, sometime. Draft a guy in the next couple of years that's going to be our tight end of the future. And then you have a guy like Jason Morrow that can be your project or, you know, a steady backup, hopefully, uh, in years to come for whoever our eventual starter becomes. It gives you a lot of options for the future. So definitely something to think out about is not just what he can do for us now, but beyond this year. Yeah, this team is definitely building for the future. Speaking of the building for right now, though, we already touched on it. Mark Mariani's been assigned to the team. They've moved off backup defensive end, who we probably wasn't going to play much this year anyway, even though they had kind of talked him up before. He replaces Trey McBride. He's got a seven-yard per return on kickoffs better than McBride for his average. So he's averaging 26.1. McBride averages 19. That's a huge difference in field position to start a drive if you don't just get the uh, the, kick, the touchback kickoff. So the question to you then is, we, we know he can produce more. He's here to handle kickoffs. Byard's going to handle the punts. Will he be able to translate those numbers back to the back to the Titans? Do we have a good enough special teams kickoff return unit to actually see the difference? Is he that much better of a returner than McBride, or is McBride just he's been getting the best he could with what we've got? I think that you know you got to meet in the middle here. I don't think it's either one extreme. I, I do think that uh, Mariani is going to improve us. Like I said earlier, like all three of us said, it is an improvement. And I think that our blocking on kick returns as a whole is going to be a little bit better than it was last year. I think we got better players. And when you get a better level of players, you're going to get a better you know, level, obviously, of, of special teams. Because a lot of those guys, are, that's not their first position, obviously. So I think, you know, it's going to get a little bit better, but I don't think it's as good as what Mariani had last year. So I think his numbers drop a little bit from what we saw from him last year, but I think that it is still going to be a very significant distance between his numbers and Trey McBride's numbers with this Tennessee Titans unit. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly if Kevin Byard's actually going to be doing the punts or not. I just saw the unofficial depth chart where it had Mariani doing both. To answer your question, I think that it probably will translate as far as the average goes. But at the same time, the biggest thing he brings to this team is a veteran presence. Trey McBride obviously hasn't really been in, in the league too long. He's been with us ever since he came out of college with very little opportunity. But at the same time, I would rather have a guy that's been back there for as long as he's been in the league, which has been since, what, 2011 maybe? I can't remember what year he came out. But, I mean, as a rookie, this guy had a Pro Bowl season returning kicks. So I would much rather have somebody that's got the experience, somebody that's not going to pull a, uh, a Renaud and, and go back into the end zone for a safety at beginning of a beginning of a game. I can't, you know, we can't afford to have that anymore. I think Mariani's definitely going to be a, a huge upgrade at return. You guys covered it for me too. He, he's an upgrade at the position, which is what it is. And yeah, he's definitely an upgrade at the position, which is what it is. It's a kick returner position. It's not a wide receiver position. Whoever was going to be back there, they were the kick returner. And when they first uh, brought him in, the first comments I saw definitely said that Bayard was going to be doing the punts. If they want Mariani to do both, I'm great with that because I'd rather Bayard have a chance to be rested and on the field and not get hurt doing kick returns or punt returns. Let's save that explosive playmaker for the defense and Mariana, his only function is to return kick, so let's let him do both. There's not going to be much of a difference, I think, between the two of them. Put the ret- experienced return guy back there who knows when to let the ball go past him, who knows what to do once he gets the ball. And if he gets hurt, which we don't want to happen to any of our players, it's not nearly as big a blow as if we lost Byard. And, Matt, you were close. Mariani came in the league in 2010, so one year off. Not bad when you're that drunk. Okay, <laughs> moving on. One thing Matt already touched on, we didn't bring any DBs in off the waiver wire. There are a lot of people questioning that. I I agree. I would have liked them to have found somebody to bring in. The biggest name I saw cut, though, was D. Milliner, uh, also from the Jets. I mentioned earlier that we'd be talking about another Jets player that they cut. The reason he was cut was because he's been hurt and injured and he hasn't been able to play. I think that's the biggest reason why the Titans had no interest in him is we don't need any more injured guys running around on the team. He's definitely got more physical ability than most of our guys back there. That's secondary as far as after the top two. But if he's hurt, 
already can't stay on the field with the team he's with. And he hasn't been very impressive when he has been playing. He's just he's better known for his draft position than he is for his play on the field. Uh, so that's the biggest deal with him is he, he was he was waived. He was already kind of injured. That's probably why we didn't bring him in. The way that the uh, waiver wire works is he can't come back this year because he was waived before the cutoff, which was Sunday. So he's on IR for the year unless they reach a settlement with him and cut him or a settlement with him to waive him and release him from the team. That's the only way that we would see that guy come on the field. So he's not a possibility for us. Did you guys see anybody else get waived that you were thinking would probably be a good candidate for us to bring in? Yeah, when I saw Milner at first, I had the reaction I think a lot of fans had, you know, that we, we saw that was just like, go get him right now. You know, we need that guy. But you're right, you know, the instance. Uh, we didn't get him for a good reason. Uh, there were a couple names here and there that popped up that I thought would be interesting to bring in. But overall, you know, it's it's hard to say because it's, it's, I trust John Robinson. There's still that we've been bad for a while, so you still... You know, you're like, oh, we're going to make a stupid mistake. And then you realize, you know, that you're in good hands right now. So I'm okay right now that we didn't bring anybody in. Looking at who else was out there uh, and considering the case with Milner, you know, I'm, I'm okay that we didn't bring anybody in defense. Uh, I'm okay that we did that right now, so far at least. Yeah, I have the same feelings. I will say that Robinson's given us a lot, a lot of reasons for you know, for us to believe in what he's doing. Same time, Dick LeBeau, man, he's been around forever, and obviously he knows what he's doing. I'm just hoping that they have a plan that they haven't shown everybody yet, and that's that's what I got to believe at this point. To go back to what Greg Arias said last week with Quan Williams, apparently he didn't work out. He was scooped up by Chicago, and I believe released the very next day. So I don't know what his deal is, but apparently he's not sticking with any any team and apparently we're not interested either but i guess we just gotta roll with what we got i mean i'm not comfortable with it but maybe they surprise us yeah i saw that also with juan i was like there's something going on there that nobody knows obviously because if they get picked up and then immediately turn around and drop back off because you're just not worth the hassle there's got to be something deeper going on there maybe there's a suspension coming up or something that nobody else knows anything about as far as you know what we're doing with the secondary i think matt said it best i'm not comfortable with it I'm going to trust Dick LeBeau to know what he's doing, and we're going to see what happens. But I didn't see anybody that got waived that we could just you know, claim to bring in that would have done us any good. Malarkey said it today that we've replaced so many people on the team that we haven't had a chance to see how they're going to do yet. And he said this during his press conference today. So anybody they went out and claimed, they're just replacing a replacement that they haven't seen how they're going to really work out. So they're, they're going with guys that they know that they're a little bit more comfortable with rather than just grabbing somebody that maybe is going to be better, but they don't know anything about the guy, really. So it's going to have to be a, we'll take it on faith. We're going to find out real quick. The season's starting this weekend. So we're going to find out how this defense really looks. But right now, I think we're all a little bit scared of our secondary. Our last thing here before we get into the actual breakdown is our week one opponent lost their starting quarterback. Everybody knows it. They traded for Sam Bradford. They traded a lot of value for a guy that we don't feel was really worth it, but that's not what I'm asking about here. The biggest problem I have with this is that Sean Hill is going to be the starter, and if you've been preparing for Bridgewater, and then you see it's going to be, oh, wait, it might be Bradford, and then you find out it's Sean Hill. It has all the markings of a situation where the defense goes in there and they're a little bit more relaxed about what they're facing. Maybe they let it down a little bit. Maybe they're not as intense as they need to be. Do you think that Malarkey is going to be able to do a better job of keeping our players engaged than the previous regimes have because in the past we've gotten burned in games like this where we went in there that we got this one and then we get our asses kicked so do you think malarkey's going to do a better job of controlling that or is it just that it's the first game of the season they're going to be hyped up enough that he doesn't have to do anything with it i think it's the first game of the season i think that's going to have a lot to do with it also i think um dick lebeau is is a motivator and i think that that speaks for itself and i think that that defense is going to be ready i think it, it helps us for sure you guys mentioned earlier earlier that hill was a little bit stronger of a passer than um bridgewater is at this point in his career i think the mental aspect for the vikings is going to play into it because sean hill's stepping in to a team that he watched in practice fall to their knees and pray and cancel practice when Teddy Bridgewater went down. Now, put yourself in Sean Hill's shoes. You're going in, and you are going to play on this or start on this team now, and you saw the reaction to losing Bridgewater, and you have to just feel like, 
Oh, shit. <laughs> like, heading into this situation, like, I mean, they've canceled practice. Guys were praying and stuff because the, the, the starting quarterback went down. That's how much they don't trust you. So... I think that could that mental edge could play for us a little bit. We definitely obviously have to keep our heads straight and keep it in focus. Sean Hill's still very capable of slinging the ball down the field, and, and we can't get in situations where he can hurt us like that. But I think it does give us a slight mental edge, and I think you know the rest of the team for the Vikings has that same feeling, you know, of not quite as confident as they were when Bridgewater was healthy. Yeah, I don't think there's any way in hell that the team's gonna gonna be less excited to play uh, a lesser somewhat lesser quarterback in Sean Hill. I think what exactly what Ryan said, if if we can rattle Sean Hill early, that's gonna play a huge mental game, mental advantage for you know, for us. I think that, you know, obviously it's week one. The fan base hasn't been this excited for the season for an upcoming season in at least a few years. I think with as young as as young a team that we have right now, I think a lot of our guys are feeling that same excitement. There's no reason not to. First of all, Minnesota Vikings were what eleven and five last year. They're no, you know, they're no pushover. I don't see anyone underestimating their talent. Stopping Adrian Peterson is going to be a hell of a task, and there's no reason that any player on our defense or offense shouldn't be geared up and ready to go. Sean Hill, you know, this is his second time around with the Vikings. He was actually drafted by them, I believe. I know he spent his first several years with them before going on to other teams and proving that he's at best a game manager. He's a decent thrower of the ball. He doesn't scare anybody. So I don't think it's about the quarterback. The uh, point that Ryan made that the players were you know down on their knees praying. I heard that guys were throwing up because the injury was so gruesome. That's part of they really bought in and believed in Bridgewater. Is That speaks more about that to me than anything else. Is They, they believe that this is their guy. This is the guy taken into the promised land. And then he's sitting there and it looks like his D's is about to have to be chopped off because the injury was so bad. So I think that that really shocked the team. It probably puts the Vikings in a bad spot, but it will also help refocus the run game. They're going to definitely come out and run harder. And I'm not really worried about the defense letting off because they're already focused mostly on Adrian Peterson more than anything else. And like Ryan said, LeBeau's going to get them all worked up. He, he's a motivator. He's going to make sure people know what they're doing and they're focused. And they're not going to let this be what screws up the game for them. I have a question for you both, and I'll tell you guys my answer here is because we're talking about these quarterbacks not being that much of a separation uh, between the two, but we also talked about the reaction. Do you think the mental aspect the loss of confidence for the Vikings and the gaining confidence for the Titans will play more of an impact than the actual talent disparity between Sean Hill and Teddy Bridgewater I think it definitely could the, the fact is that Bridgewater apparently is a very good motivator of his team he really got pulls guys to him and you know binds them together Sean Hill has never shown that aspect at any point in his career when Bridgewater was coming out, he was supposed to be the best guy in the draft. His, everybody talked about his ability, his personality. And so losing that and then knowing that the team doesn't believe in the guy who's behind him enough that they went out and traded a first and a fourth round pick for Sam Bradford, who probably won't stay healthy for the whole season. I mean, Bradford finished off the year last year pretty well, but he's never stayed healthy. They brought that guy in to get them through the rest of this year because they don't believe in Sean Hill. That's got to be demoralizing for the you know the wide receivers, if nobody else. The whole team is going to be thinking, we have to run the ball. We have no chance in the air. Yeah, I agree with pretty much what you just said. My, my question is, what do you guys, do you feel that Bridgewater is even close to second-tier quarterback? Because I don't see it. I'm not a fan of his at all. He had a good career at Louisville, and I mean, I followed him just through being a Clemson fan. I've seen him, you know, a few times. But as far as an NFL quarterback goes, yeah, he's mobile, and, and yeah, he's probably slightly better than average, but I don't even see him as like a second-tier quarterback. Do you guys? What do you guys think? No, I would say no. My second-tier is guys like Romo. Ben, Big Ben would be at the top of that list. Romo, Stafford maybe at the bottom of that list. No, I, don't, I would definitely not put him on that list. Even in the, the young guys, if you talk about the young category, the up-and-coming quarterbacks we got – Mariota, obviously, and Bortles and Carr, Bridgewater, Winston. I would still put him on the lower end of that list, man. He, he's I, I'm yeah. not, <laughs> not anything like heavily against him. He, I just, he's more of the game manager type than he is the, the type that can take over. Out of those five you just named, he would be fifth on my list. <laughs> Mine too. It's definitely more of a personality thing. He's a leader 
more than he's a great player. So I agree. I, I don't think he's a top-tier quarterback. It's just when you have Adrian Peterson back there and you've got a quarterback that you'll run through a wall for, that's a good combination. Sean Hill is not that guy. We're going to see it pretty quick that he can still throw the ball okay. And I'll bet you when uh, and I'll bet you when Bradford gets on the field, he looks pretty decent too because he's got Adrian Peterson back there. Their wide receivers aren't scary, and we're going to get into all this here in just a minute. But I definitely agree. Bridgewater is not a top half of the league guy. And so if you're not in that group, then you're somebody who's just looking to be replaced, except for he was a first-round draft pick, and they're betting the farm on him, so they can't give up on him yet. And that's what happens when you miss on a quarterback or you gamble on a quarterback who's not ever going to be that guy. Hey, Glenn, did uh, Bradford and Peterson play together? I know they Yes, they did. For how many years? Like for two, I three years? I thought I it, think was it was two. Well, it was, wasn't it one, and then the second year Bradford was the year that Bradford yeah, got hurt. Yeah, they were on the team for two years. Yeah, they they were played on the, yeah, but they only played one because of that Bradford injury. Yeah, okay. All right, thanks, Glenn, for the news. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back, obviously, with more of this Vikings matchup, and we're going to do a full breakdown, so stay tuned. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. We are back from that quick commercial break, and we're going to break down this Vikings game, and Glenn's going to lead us through it. So, Glenn. All right, let's go ahead and start off with what we've already been talking about, when the Vikings have the ball. The biggest question everybody's got is, can the Titans slow down AD? You know, I, I call him AD for all day because that's what he was when he was at college. Everybody else calls him AP. But can the Titans slow him down with the way that we struggled at times containing some of the more explosive backs we've seen in the preseason? We have some issues as far as controlling the offensive line, trying to put pressure on the quarterback, and sometimes giving up holes into the secondary. So we know you're not going to just shut him down. Do you guys think we can keep him underneath 100 yards? What are your thoughts as far as dealing with the running game? For me, I think it has a lot to do not with how good AP looks, not with how good our defensive front looks, but how good Sean Hill plays. Uh, You know, if we can get in his head early and he's not able to throw over the top of us and we can just stack the box all day long, there's, there's no running back in this league that is going to face just about any defense and be able to you know average four yards per carry against eight men in the box it's you just can't do it there's too many guys there so if if we can get to the point where we can stack the box every single play you know AP's not going to have a fun day it's not going to be a a great day for him and I think if McCourty and Cox can play a really good game then there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to really put the pressure on them as we've said earlier they really don't have blow-away talent in their, in their wide receivers. You know, they have a crafty guy in Diggs and then obviously the rookie at Treadwell. If our corners can contain really well, then we can stack the box, and AP's not going to do much. But if we let Sean Hill throw the ball on us, it'll open us up, and then you give AP five, six-man boxes, and, you know, that's a problem. Then obviously he's going to have a big day. Does everyone call him AP? Because I've always called him AD. I don't know. But anyway, uh, obviously he's one of the more talented running backs in the whole entire league. I think that he probably will be close to, if not see the hundred yard mark, but at the same time, it's not going to necessarily give, give away the game. I think he is going to be able to run on us, but like Ryan said, as long as McCourty and Cox can, can play to their full potential and we can shut down the pass. 
I think we can see success with him, you know, getting close to that 100 yards. It's all about points in this league. And, you know, as long as, as long as we can contain for the most part, he's going to get his carries. And as long as he doesn't break off any real big ones on us, I think we'll be able to see some success. Yeah, that's mostly what I was asking was, can we contain him uh, as far as keeping him from getting those big runs? If the defense is playing soft, like Ryan said, if they're dropping back trying to worry about the pass, that gives him a chance to build up some speed and get some open running lanes in the secondary, which is the last thing you want to see because that's when he starts running people over. and it, It's a brutal sight whenever he you know, steps on somebody as he's running past them. The next thing we had then was with Hill in there, which Ryan's already touched on, and he's got a bunch of young, unproven wide receivers. As fact, the only, only receiver they had that played all 16 games last year was Adam Thielen. Do you know who that guy is? Negative. Yeah, no he one delivers knows my UPS mail. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's the only guy, he's the only receiver on this team that played in all 16 games last year. Obviously, the rookie didn't play in 16 games, but they have a bunch of unproven guys like Diggs, who's an explosive guy. He's fast. He gets loose in the secondary. He does terrible things to you. They have to get the ball to them. They have to actually catch the ball when it gets out there. So with Hill back there, can we make this team one-dimensional? Is our secondary good enough? to actually take away the pass and force them to run the ball, at which point in time you can stack the box and try to you know, slow him down that way. I think we are, yes. And it's actually not Diggs that scares me in this, because I think Diggs is pretty small, and even though he is fast, I think just in his face, right off the snap, press all day, then I think that... You- Diggs is not going to see very many targets because he's just not going to be able to get off in time. The size difference is going to be play huge. The guy that scares me is actually Treadwell. Even though he's not burner speed, he does play very well against press coverage. He can get off, he runs good routes, and he has surefire hands and can catch contested balls. So that's going to be the one that I think you got to look out for more. Because I think we can take Stephon Diggs out of the game. I don't know if we can do that with Laquan Treadwell. Well, I'm looking at their depth chart. They actually have Charles Johnson as the one, Diggs the the two, but I I would say Diggs is probably the most talented receiver they have, including Treadwell. Treadwell is probably going to see the most success on us simply because, you know, whether it's McCain or Blake, I haven't seen much of McCain this offseason or this preseason to uh to really judge him I, all i know is what i what i've seen in the past which even then isn't much but i mean i i think that with johnson and diggs and mccordy and cox can pretty much you know contain those guys but treadwell could be that x factor where we don't know you know whether he's going against mccain or blake that could be get, get pretty dicey yeah see diggs doesn't really scare me because he's so inconsistent in his routes that was one of the problems he had last year is He's not always where he's supposed to be, and when you've got a quarterback like Hill who's not going to be able to extend the plays very much, he doesn't have time to wait to figure out where you're going and whatever route you think you're out there running. My thing with McCourty, though, is he's not a press corner. Uh, He he really likes to play soft. He he likes to play more like a safety covering of receiver. He's not going to get up in people's face. Cox is more of your press guy. I, I think Cox is going to have to go out there and physically beat up Treadwell or Johnson, whoever he's on. I don't know that they bother to key off and uh, you know switch with the guys and play any kind of a man, though. Um, everything we've seen this preseason suggests that we're going to be playing a lot of zone, and most of our corners are zone kind of guys. So I think we're going to see more of that. I don't want us to play zone on digs because I don't think we have anybody that's quick and, and shifty and fast enough to, to stick with uh, Stephon Diggs. In a zone cut situation, I think he's going to be able to find holes pretty easily and, and quickly. And I, I just think that that could be a problem for us. And switching into those zones and stuff, it is shifty and it's quick as he is. So I'd like to see. And you're right, uh, Parrish Cox would be the better, the, more of the press guy. But I think pressing him, just because of how small he is, I think we can really take that to our advantage. I forgot about Charles Johnson, too, but he doesn't really worry me. I, I think that. It's going to come down to, you know, how we play. I think you're going to see, if we can have success early, I think we're going to get into Hill's head, and I think we're going to be fine. If we don't have success early, it could be a long game. 
you definitely do not want to play catch up. We don't have a, an offense built for catch up at this point. I think our strength is obviously going to be to to run the ball and for you know short to medium passes down the field. But at the same time, you know if we're down whatever it is ten ten points, we're not in a position to play catch up. So we definitely got to go out early and and play hard. And that's actually, you know, my next kind of t- topic I had here for discussing when the Vikings have the ball is what do you do about somebody like Diggs who's got all that burner speed? We saw it with Ted Ginn. The fast guys are going to hurt this defense because our secondary isn't fast. If you're playing a zone, just like Ryan said, if you zone Diggs, he's going to be so fast that he's going to just run out there and just be open because we don't have anybody who can go with him. Our, we've already seen the preseason that we can't let our linebackers be the guy that switches off. Because we don't have a linebacker to run with them. These these are big run stuffing linebackers for the most part. They're not going to be able to run out there with somebody like Diggs and give any kind of an honest coverage in the zone. So I think that Ryan is correct that we need to put somebody on him who can beat him up a little bit. It's probably going to have to, and I hate to do this with somebody like Diggs as far as doubling up on him. Find somebody who can stuff him off the line, and then have somebody that can hand off whenever he beats that press. Because he's so quick, he's going to get away from you unless you just knock him on his ass right off the bat. And it's more of the Ted Ginn effect that scares me than anything else is if he gets back there and you don't have somebody who's on his hip making a good tackle, which I don't know who could do that for us. Uh, It would have to be McCain or Blake probably. And we know Blake can't do it because he misses tackles, you know, in those clutch plays like that. So maybe McCain, but I've never been impressed with McCain's ability to stay with a shifty guy like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I was going to say that is, is maybe have someone play off of the line and then have someone play over top and just manhandle them off the line. I think we could have a lot of success with that because even though I, I agree with you, we don't have anybody that can stick with them. But I think he's small enough and we can be physical enough with him in those first five yards and we have a decent enough pass rush that we can take him out of the game. And I think our pass rush is going to force Hill to either take the sack, throw it away, or, or throw the ball in a different direction. I, I'm interested to see how LeBeau attacks it. You know, we're all sitting here in our armchair defensive coordinators right now, but we have, you know, obviously one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So it'll be interesting. I think that's a good idea, though. I, you hate to give him the double team, but I think we might have to. Yeah, he's the only guy with double team on this group. None, none of these other guys are scary. And he's only scary because he's fast. He's not a good veteran receiver. He's not technically all that skilled. I just worry about him getting loose and scoring a 70-yard run on you on a little screen or something like that. Or you know, he, he runs a slant. No one can stay with him. He catches the ball, and he's just gone. You know, that, That's the only thing that he scares me about is if he catches the ball in space, we don't have the athletes on the secondary to do anything about it. The rest of these guys we can stay with. And it also leads me to my next point, which is having McCordy and Cox on the field at the same time for the first time in Mularkey's career in an actual game. How big of a deal is that, that we have two corners out there that we can at least kind of trust? Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. I mean, everybody, we've talked about it on here. We've talked about it in, the, in our TTU, and we've talked about it with, you know, with a lot of the, the guys, friends of the show, you know, about how bad these corners have looked in the preseason, and it's been pretty awful. So to have two guys that, like you said, and I think you put it well, kind of trust, I mean, it's still a huge, huge difference for us, I think. Because just imagine, listen to how we've talked about McCourty and Cox in the last five minutes and compare it to how this conversation would, would sound if we were starting McCain or Blake or, you know, or someone like that. Scary, scary thought, man. Obviously, you know, McCordy and Cox are going to be huge role players on this defense. My thing I was going to ask you guys is when you talk about, you know, if you got Bryce McCain covering press and somebody over the top, who better than Kevin Byard to get on the field and, and play that position? I think that that's, that's what he thrives on, and I think that's what we should probably do. Yeah, I'm all for that. That's exactly what he's there for, Ryan. Uh, Matt, sorry. That's exactly what he's there for, Matt. And – you know, this is probably no, the okay. best. I'll take credit. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. This is probably the best week one matchup we could ask for with the secondary questions that we have. We we have a backup 
long-term veteran quarterback who's shown that he's never going to be a good starter. He's only had just a couple of shots, and he's never played a full season. We have a bunch of undisciplined wide receivers and a rookie out there who has some serious potential eventually. If you're going to go into this matchup, and the guy that you're worried about is Stephon Diggs, that's not so bad. I mean, it, it makes me really happy that this is our first week matchup. We have our t- top two corners back. We have our safeties back there. We have Byard that we can bring in to help out. We have Stafford who can come down and just really slam ADs. He's trying to come through the line. It, this is about as good of a matchup as our defense could ask for week one if Adrian Peterson weren't in the backfield. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a Agreed. lot of great points there. Matt, I like your point about Byron and Glenn. It is just about as good as it could get for us, this matchup. So let's sort of switch sides to the other side of the ball then. Let's talk about what's happening whenever the Titans have the ball. You know, we're, we're going to start out with the same thing, the, the, the main focus of our offense, just like the main focus of their offense. Let's talk about the running game. The Vikings have an absolutely stacked front seven. They're one of the very best in the league at stopping the run. Last year, they did not give up a single touchdown to a called run at the goal line. So obviously, when it gets down to the goal line and things are getting tight, this is a group you can't run the ball into the end zone on. And we're a power run team. That's what we do. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. What are your guys' thoughts on this matchup? I'm not as worried about it, I think, as a lot of people. I think that we still can have a decent amount of success. You know, they gave up the 17th most yards last year. They had 4.3 yards per carry is what they allowed. So I still think we can have some success um, against Minnesota. It is tough, though. They don't give up a lot of touchdowns on the ground. As you just pointed out, it's a tough team to score on on the ground. I think we can have success. I think we can push the ball down the field. And obviously, if we can do that, it's going to open up plays in the passing game. When healthy, they, they have a pretty solid secondary back there and impressive pair of safety. So that can present some problems. Good defense overall. It's going to be interesting how to see how we match up with it. But I think we can have um, some solid success in the running game. We've seen how Murray and Henry have played in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but, I mean, both of them looked fantastic. And I, and I think that we're built to have a lot of success in the running game. And I don't think this defense is going to be good enough to stop us. It's hard to judge, man. They really do have a great defense. Their front seven is very impressive. The the one guy on that seven that I'm not familiar with is Eric Kendricks. He's a second-year guy out of UCLA. Never seen him play, but every one of those other guys has definitely been around for, for a good, you know, impressive for a good few years now. It's hard to say as far as what we can do on that because we've looked so impressive in our small sample size in the last few weeks. I definitely want to see both of our running backs get going. But uh, the the main thing is how Mariota keeps his composure and, and if he can get these passes out. If he stays efficient like he's been, he's 14 for 15 and all that. I mean, I, I can't I can't not mention his first game against Tampa Bay. Same type of deal. Four touchdowns in the first half. Like, dude is super efficient. If we can have him come out like that and have a run game on top of it, I don't want to be – super optimistic or anything but at the same time man like if he if he comes out firing like that and we have a run game to go with it there's no reason why we can't put numbers up on these guys don't hold back matt call super bowl right now <laughs> yeah right do it but no seriously i i real i'm really impressed with run stuffing part of their group they like ryan said though you can run on them people have had success it's that getting down into the red zone you're it's a lot easier to score on this group from outside of 20 than it is inside of 20. I'm really impressed with what I've seen of them from going back and watching them some. But I think we can have success with the group. The key is going to be that left guard spot. If we can get push off that left guard spot, then we can run both right and left. I don't know how much success we'll have getting outside the tackles, but if we can run inside the tackles and therefore suck the defense in, open up some plays outside, some wide receiver screens, which I hate wide receiver screens, but they're going to run them anyway. You know, any, any of that stuff that we can do where we can have some success inside, it's going to be our offensive line. I want to see what that left guard spot can do. It's going to be quitting Spain. If he can handle this front seven, if he can handle the pressure of run blocking against these guys. Also, Jack Conklin on the other side. 
if he can be disciplined against this front group, we can have success. We can definitely run the ball. And if we run, we throw. That's what the play action is for. That's just how this offense is built. Um, this is Our offense is nothing really new except for our occasional trick plays, just the formations that we come out in. Everybody knows we're going to run the ball, which, you know, Ryan also touched on this, the secondary that we're going up against. Ken Mariota and the receivers that we've got have success against this secondary. I actually like our receivers better in this matchup than their receivers. This is going to be one of the few times we'll be saying that this year just because we've got a lot of work to do with our receivers. We just haven't seen it yet. But this is a good secondary. They're not great, but they're good. I'd like to see off the play action. I'd like to see what they can do as far as getting first downs, throwing the ball, and doing something other than just checking it down all day long. Before I talk about the secondary and our wide receivers, fun fact is we gave up 3.9 yards per run last year. They gave up 4.3. The difference being we saw 51 more rush attempts than they did, so we ended up giving up more yardage, but we actually had a better average than they did. But looking at this secondary, they do have a talented secondary, but I think it's going to come out in our favor because... Well, I think once we get the run going and we establish the run, which, I, as I said, I think we can do. I think we're very capable of doing that against this team. Then it becomes really hard to play against a team like that because we can play play action, because we can uh, hit bootlegs, stuff like that, and, and get guys wide open off these chances when we, when, you know, we pull them in with the run and then, and then go out there and, and stretch them out. And that's exactly what we want to do. That's, you know, exotic Smash Mouth 101. That's what. That's exactly what we want to do. That's exactly what Malarkey wants to see out of this offense. So it makes it harder for them to cover because, you know, you don't know when a pass is coming. But as far as our wide receivers go, obviously not an impressive group. You said, Glenn, that you would take them over their wide receivers in a matchup against our secondary. I don't know if I would or not. I think our wide receivers might be a little bit more talented than ours, but I think their secondary is more talented than ours as well. So I don't know if I would take the matchup. But they, the one thing that's going to help us is like the element of surprise and not knowing when it's coming and then obviously being able to get you know, guys wide open because they're committing so many people to the run. That could be the difference for us. Yeah, one thing I'll add, man, with our receivers, it's been a very long time since since we've had more than, you know, one go-to guy. We got Tajay Sharp, who's performed crazy, you know, he, he catches everything thrown his way. If he can perform in real, real-time real games between him, Delaney Walker, Andre Johnson is has been great in his sh- small sample size, I think that we really have a shot at, even though these, these corners and safeties are so talented – if we play our game, I mean, we have more than one option, and we haven't had that in quite a few years. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see what we can do, and this is going to be a great test. Yeah, this is definitely a possession group of receivers. We run good routes. We catch the ball when it comes to us. That's what cost Justin Hunter you know, his spot. That's why we got rid of DGB. We want guys who run the route that they're supposed to run who can get open on pretty much anybody. That's the whole thing. If you run a good route and your quarterback knows you're going to be where you're supposed to be, you can have that kind of timing. That's going to be the thing, like we said, about putting Sean Hill on his ass, rushing him, making him throw the ball too early, disrupting his timing. Same thing works for Mariota, except if they start stacking up against the run, he can scroll out, you know, run, run a bootleg. He can scramble, create in space, and our guys are going to come back to get the ball for him. They're not going to blow you away deep. We don't have a Mike Wallace. We also don't have Ben Roethlisberger to chunk the ball out there. Mariota's mm-hmm. one question is, can he push the ball out there and go deep with accuracy and put the ball where no one else can get to it other than our wide receiver? That's just not his strength at this point in his career. It probably never will be, but he'll get better at it as time goes on. In the meantime, the receivers we have reflect what he can do which is he can hit you over the middle, he can put the ball in a very tight space, he can create on the run, and he can negate a lot of what makes secondary so good, which is ball hawking, taking away mistakes, being opportunistic. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Ryan pointed out his completion numbers. He's only had one one incompletion, and it was an interception. 
he's going to give you a chance every game just because we can run the ball. You have to respect the running game. And if he gets out in space, he doesn't make mistakes when he does it. He's putting the ball to the right guy. He, he does his little fake. He's out like a point guard. He's making things happen for you. So I think we have that extra dimension that the Vikings don't have that makes it so hard for any defense to really stop this unit. The only thing I'll add is that, you know, obviously what, what Mariota truly brings is, man, if, if if he throws out pump fakes or he, like, for instance, uh, what we just saw, I guess it was, what, last week, he basically ran a, a read option where he faked the pitch, and I think it was Harry Douglas. The things that Mariota can do that other quarterbacks can't is going to benefit us so much. When you add two powerhouse running backs, everything that we're trying to do, we have the guys to do it. So I, I really think if we stick to the script, we're definitely going to have success. My, my only other thought is, you know, we haven't heard anything about Delaney Walker other than saying he's fine. After he said he just didn't feel right, he couldn't breathe. We all expect him to play. We all expect that he's fully healthy. I'm hoping that we don't find out anything other than just, you know, he had a bad night. As long as he's out there, we've got that safety valve. We've got a scrambling quarterback. We've got two powerhouse running backs, and our offensive line is designed to run the ball. We'll see what they can do. That's going to be the linchpin for this offensive unit is if the run, if the run blocking and the pass blocking can hold up, we can do a lot of things that would be really nice against other teams' defenses. Yeah, I definitely do not want to lose Delaney Walker for any reason. Can you imagine what we would do or what we would need to do if he wasn't on the field for us? Yeah, it's not fun to think about for sure. And it has been weird, like kind of mysterious. You know, we were talking about it before we got on the show tonight, how it's been, you know, you you can't find anything on it. You can't barely find any information at all about it, um, which is it's different for sure. Hopefully... 100% fine, and we'll see him ready to go uh, on Sunday. I can tell you what I did in Madden. Week one, Lenny Walker had broke his jaw, was out for six weeks. I put Andre Johnson in there as my tight end. I doubt we see Malarkey do that. <laughs> <laughs> but in Madden terms, it works great. He is tearing it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably our wrap-up on the game. Uh, one last thing. What are your predictions score-wise? Throw an actual number out there. All right, this is tough. I had him just barely losing before Teddy Bridgewater. And right now, Westgate has the line at Minnesota minus a point and a half. I'm the pessimistic one normally, and I think we're going to win 19-20. to 20 is, I think it's going to be the final score. Tennessee wins at home. I'm going to go Titans 24, Minnesota 13. I'm going to bring it back a little bit and say we win 17-13. Not as big of an offensive game, just based Derek, on what the defense is trying to do. Derrick Henry's getting that extra touchdown at the end to make it 24. I'm good with that. I'm right. willing to undervalue the Titans' scoring ability every single game this year. I'm willing to be wrong like that. <laughs> Let's do it. I actually have Andre Johnson lining up as tight end and then catching a 98-yard bomb. So See? That's one of my touchdowns. Right there. <laughs> Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> if all these Madden coaches could come together and decide how real NFL worked, it would be an incredibly boring game to watch. We're having the fans call the plays this game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we should. $10 a yeah. play. There you go. <laughs> all right, that's about all the show we have. Some announcements before we get off here, though. We're going to have the new poll question up as soon as this airs, so go vote. We're going to have the over-under for this Minnesota game. Vegas has it set at 42.5 points. That's where we're going to set our line. So you think it's that we're going to see the game score more or less points, obviously, if you've never done an over-under. This is the last week, as I mentioned earlier, to get on the NFL Pick'em. You get to go against us. There will be prizes. So if last chance, as soon as Thursday night football kicks off, that's it. It locks in for the rest of the season. So definitely get in there if you want to have a chance to see if you could beat myself, Matt, and Glenn. Also, Matt has made his own forum we thought we'd tell you about real quick. NCAA Football Forum. It's a Facebook group. If you're a college football fan, definitely check it out. Everybody goes on there to you know, trash talk and uh, to talk college football. So if you're a college football fan, I definitely recommend checking it out. 
Alright, and that is it, folks. Thanks to my awesome co-host, Matt and Glenn. Thanks for everybody for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday after, hopefully, a 1-0 start to the season. Tighten up. Tighten up. 1-0. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.